Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Russ, it's been an amazingly eventful week for Herd Athletics. Again, ups and downs throughout the athletic department. And of course, we're going to talk all about it. But if you remember, last week, right at the very end, I said, we're going to have something big for you. This week, well, we got something big for Herd fans this week. So what you're going to want to do is stick around till the very end of this episode because we got Marshall softball head coach Morgan Zirkle to join the Thundercast this week and give us a 2024 season preview. What an amazing conversation. We got a lot of uh, in-depth knowledge about a lot of different topics. Uh, we're very, very thankful that Morgan spent some of her time with us and uh, gave us some of this insight into this herd softball team, which Russ is, is excited. The proper uh, adjective to use when talking about us and the softball program, probably not. Right. Uh, but but we've got a lot to get into. So uh, let's get a let's get a quick word from our sponsors at Laser Oliver PLLC. If you've been hurt in a wreck, let Laser Oliver PLLC help you. Find them at three hundred four carwreck.com. Let's get into this action-packed episode. Let's start it off with eh, five, six, seven, ten, twelve things. I don't know. Every herd fan needs you know, to know this week. You never know, but this week it's looking like six, six things every herd fan needs to know this week. As always, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. I'm going to start off with number one. I feel like this is a great place to start with this. It's very cool. Abby Beeman was named the USBWA and Myers Drysdale National Player of the Week. Full stop for just a second. Did not get Sunbelt Conference Player of the Week. Who cares? How about National Player of the Week? Yeah, who cares, right? Because one of those National Players of the Week honors, yet again, yes, Aislinn Hayes was not technically a National Player of the Week. She made the starting five for the NCAA Women's March Madness account. Same thing, National Pub. Right, but Abby Beeman is on an absolute tear right now, and the the word we continually use uh, in relation to Abby and this herd women's basketball team is thriving. And now I think we've pushed higher than just thriving. She's absolutely dominating right now. Second du- a triple double on the season. Right mm-hmm. now this week, um, national player of the week eclipsed the. 2,000 career point mark. Yes, not all with the herd, but 2,000 career points. Says she's been playing at a high level for a long time. There is just no shortage of accolades and great news surrounding this herd women's basketball team. And Abby Beeman is always at the epicenter of that positive news for herd women's basketball. What an absolute run right now she's on. I've said this, I don't know how many times I'll tell anyone that'll listen. Abby Beeman right now is the best passer in college basketball. I didn't say women's basketball. I said college basketball, best passer. Go to a game, see it in person. You can see what I'm talking about. 
the court vision is there. Threading the needle on a bounce pass is there. No look is there. Behind the back, she'll bring it. I'm telling you. <laughs> you've got to go and watch this in person. And I feel like it's a appropriate statement to say she is the straw that stirs the drink on this high powered offense. Yeah, that's a good that's a good term. I've 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 heard that uh a few times, but it it, it really feels like Abby Beeman's game was developed in a laboratory specifically for this Coach Kim style of play. Now, we know it isn't, but, man, if her skill set doesn't just match up perfectly with what this team is doing, then there's there, there's no such thing. No such thing exists if this isn't that. But what is what is uh, intriguing to me is both of these players – well, not players uh, – Abby and Coach Kim knew to Marshall. Abby was here last year, but they were opponents – you know, Coach Kim coached against Abby when she was at Glenville State. So now both of them have come together and have formed this unbelievable, unbelievable duo, along with many other players, right? It's not just her, uh, that that herd fans are now reaping the benefits of. If this continues to this level, um, I, I really, I said this last week, I don't know what stops this herd women's basketball team. They might lose a game here and there, but I think they're built for big-time success this season. And we were worried, well, is it going to take this year and maybe another year before we get there? And if this is what we're seeing now, holy moly, what are we going to see next year? Absolute historic short-term right now, could be a long-term tear for Abby Beeman. You love to see it. Let's uh, keep it with women's basketball. Number two, Aislinn Hayes had her 1,000th point earlier in January. It's the week right around January the 8th, the 6th, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, we just forgot to put it on on one of the things. And, you know, I'm the one that makes the list, so I take full responsibility for that. We talked about Obina getting his 1,000th last week, and it clicked in my head after that. It's like, hey, we just had a 1,000th. So we definitely want to give her her flowers. Uh, it's not the end of the career flowers. We're giving her her in the moment flowers. Mm -hmm. 1,000 points is hard to get in basketball. Uh, she has a lot of basketball still left to play, and uh, we just want to recognize what she has brought to this team as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not just one or two players. It's a lot. It's like more than half of the roster is contributing in a big way, which is big way. indicative of the overall team success of this team. So yeah, you don't want to you don't want to leave anything out, and that's I think that's the bugaboo with with this herd basketball team, this women's basketball team is there's so much going on, so much positivity, it's a different kind of problem where good positive things slip through the cracks because you lose track of all the good stuff that's happening. That's a good problem to have, if you ask me. I think we're in a really good spot right now as far as uh, the herd and women's basketball is going. But, yes, congratulations to Aislinn. We did not mean to miss that. A 1,000 points is nothing to shake a stick at. And you're right, plenty more basketball still left. And hopefully most, if not all, of that is in the Kelly Green and White. Number three, moving over to soccer, we got Adam Amash signs with Union Omaha of the USL League One. Now, I admittedly am not as familiar with this league, but anytime you're signing uh, to play at a professional level, we're going to talk about it. 
Yeah. Okay. First off, second week in a row that a herd soccer alum has signed a pro deal. Um, we've put a few in these pro ranks over the past couple of seasons, but usually they come in a flurry, you know, like two or three in the same week. And, you know, it's because that's just kind of how the calendar works. But this might be the first time that I can recall since we've been doing this show that it's been consecutive weeks. It may have happened before, but I think that's a pretty good trend. You know, I'm, I jokingly talked about how it's always the reload um, continuing with herd soccer because it's things like this. It's another player signing another pro deal. And, you know, obviously, congratulations to Adam Iamash. He was a big part of herd men's soccer success the past few seasons, and, and he's a great player in his own right. So it's really awesome to see him get an opportunity. And it's just another one of those uh, recruiting chips, you know, when you say, Hey, look, look at the guys we're putting into the pros. Look at, look at this soccer program in Huntington, West Virginia. You know, it, it, it continues continually is surreal to me to when you think about you, you have to get comfortable with being the number one team in the country, right? That's just, that's something you see at other places and you go, man, that's cool. I, I wish that would happen here, but it's happening here. And I still can't, fully grasp it all the time. I see it and I'm like, man, that is so cool. But it still escapes me to a certain degree that that is actually happening here consistently, not just in one season, but multiple seasons for multiple weeks. It's not a flash in the pan. I'm like, oh, we made it to number one and now we're not. Dude, this is just unbelievable. The, the new basement for herd soccer. I mean, wow. That's all I can say. Wow. Number four is a school record falls in women's track. Kylie Maston, Marley Porter, Sophia Newsom, and Abby Herring <laughs> shave five seconds off the distance medley relay record with a time of 11 minutes, 45.59 seconds. That record they beat, well, it was set during the Sunbelt Conference Indoor Championships at the end of last season. So it's a... Uh, really good indicator in my mind that they're going from their best during the championships and they're already shaving five seconds off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Every week, again, every week, another track and field record falls every week. And sometimes it's the usual suspects. So that's why you get the, the, the slight pause before you name the fourth member of that team. Right. But I don't think that it's just ever going to get old, you know? How cool is that? How cool? What a what a time to be a herd fan. I mean, what a time to be a herd fan when it's things that you get to listen to us yammer on about and it's all-time records, pro athletes, you know, um recruiting at a high level, all-time greats becoming coaches. Like what a great time to be a herd fan. And when you start compounding these things, when you start, like, if you make a mental list, you start to think, man, this is kind of a really good era to be in if you're looking from a complete athletic department view, right? If you're not trying to limit yourself to just one sport or, you know, one particular men's versus women's sports. If you look at an entire view, this is a pretty good era to be in, man. There's a lot to be um, excited. You can always find something. To go, I like that, you know, and that's pretty cool to me. That is pretty cool to me. 
Number five, I think when you talk about something cool, I think this right here is cool. Softball signee Tia Titi wins the Alabama State Wrestling Championship. Again, full stop. Repeat that. <laughs> Softball signee Tia Titi wins the Alabama State Wrestling Championship. <laughs> yes, State Wrestling Championship. And from what I gather, it's the first one, right? The first, um, I guess they maybe they had a, a complete women's division instead of being a um, um, co-ed type thing. But how cool is that? I didn't have that one on my radar at all. You know that you know you hear about that sometimes, like when you're recruiting football players. This guy was a you know high school wrestling champion, and so it, that's a that's a correlation you've seen across multiple sports. But it's usually not softball and wrestling. And um, when we got tagged in that in that tweet, uh, there were several of them, by the way. And um, that was that was like super cool. You're right. That is something cool to talk about. And um, we, get, we even got tagged in the video of of uh, the match and or par portions of the match, the winning portion of the match. It was a pin, by the way. This was not a run out the clock scenario and and get uh, went on went on points. This was a pin in a state championship match. I thought that was so cool, man. What a way to cap off a season with a pin in the state championship match. Um, family was going nuts in the background. And I rightfully made, so. Rightfully so, right? And, and and Tia was like, You'll have to excuse my uncle. He's a little excited. No, I was like, <laughs> Hell the hell no, we will not, because that's no. what we want here at Marshall. We want passionate We're fans and family and players. That's what we want. We're going to tell him he needs to step it up a little bit. That's what we're going to tell him to do. <laughs> so that was a little mild. I, I, yeah. We're going to have to crank it up a little bit. But no, that was so cool, man. That was, what, a, what a cool, cool thing. State championship wrestler is signed with Herd Softball. Wow. That tells me we're getting an absolute dog coming in here. <laughs> All right. Number six for our final thing, football departures. Uh, we have been talking about transfer portal only. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of light on that news uh, front this week, but we did have carry on Martin safety enters the transfer portal as a grad transfer, but we have some other types of departures. Joe Carter heads to Mississippi State as director of football operations, and Chucky Keaton is the new quarterback coach at Montana State. Right, so put some context to that. Uh, the, Chucky was a offensive analyst for the Herd last year. Of course, great collegiate quarterback at Utah State. I remember Chucky as a player, and I remember when we hired him, and I thought, oh, what a nice little wrinkle, nice, nice yeah. little mind to have in the uh, analyst room. Yeah. Um, and... and um, Joe basically did the same thing. He he was at Mississippi State, came here to do what he's now doing back at Mississippi State. So good for him to go back to a place where he's uh, familiar with and and obviously liked being. Um, we love it when our our herd staffers and uh, of course players as well go on to better opportunities and particularly from a staff standpoint, because that usually comes with a little pay bump and the quality of life in increase. And, you know, I'm, I'm at the stage of my life when I'd like a little pay bump and a quality of life increase and carry on. Martin was a contributor for the herd over a number of seasons, local kid from Capitol high school, Charleston. So it does kind of suck when those guys go, uh, this may not be related and, and I'm not trying to plant speculation or anything, but I also saw that his brother, uh, was, 
in the transfer portal. He went, he was at WVU initially and then went to Akron and I saw that he entered the transfer portal. So maybe they're like, Hey, we got one more go of it. Let's play together. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just speculating, but uh, that could be a thing, you know, but possibly. And, and when carry on finally finds his spot and his new team, you know, we'll, uh, give them the the salute like I always do because just because you're not suiting up for the herd anymore, you're always a son of Marshall, and I want to see you do well. But it would just be intriguing to see if the uh, the brothers Martin end up in the same secondary for one more go round. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Six things every herd fan needs to know, as always. Brought to you by Ignite Link. I'll take it. I'll take it, man. That was some cool stories, right? The state championship wrestler. I'm not going to get over that one. That one's pretty cool. That that that's that's a softball career that now completely unrelated to softball makes me excited to see the future of of this uh, player. That'll be so cool. Um, we mentioned before that our, our feature is actually going to be at the end of this episode. So, guys, just hang right on. We're going right through it. Let's get around the herd, Russ. Yeah, we're going to start off with tennis. They swept Longwood on Saturday, but also got swept by number 12, Virginia. And just to give a little bit of a uh, an indicator of why they're number 12, three of the singles uh, performers were top 90 in singles. Whoa. Yeah, three of them were in the top 90. <laughs> so went up against a bit of a buzzsaw uh, in this first uh, match of the spring. Uh, here was the singles wins. And again, these were all against Longwood had Vander Hayden, Hurion, Joksovich, Gillar, Shute, and Clarat. doubles wins by Vander Hayden, Strom, Hurion, McGrain, Shute, and Lopachik. And they are going on to face Bellarmine. And I always wonder if I'm saying that correctly. I've, I can't remember if it's Bellarmine or Bellarmine. I say it uh, the first way. Bellarmine is what I'm going to call it today. Who knows what I'll call it the next time. And Eastern Kentucky on EKU's campus on Thursday. And then they welcomed WVU and Radford to Huntington on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, tennis team was one that had a really good season last year. If you'll recall, uh, we were kind of fighting an uphill battle against Old Dominion uh, mm -hmm. most of the season in the Sunbelt slate. But these early season challenging matches – that's good stuff, man. And when you're facing a team like Virginia, who's ranked number 12, but also happens to have a little over 3% of the top 100 players in the country, um, that's 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 one of those like measuring stick type matches. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to, you know, play well, compete, then it's confidence builder. Uh, we, we continually are going to expect big things from – uh, this this herd tennis program because they did not disappoint last year and a majority of those high performers returned for this season so there's no reason to think they won't go out and dazzle yet again so if you if you're on campus if you're just around town and you're looking for something to do you should always maybe just drop by the tennis complex and get your eyes on herd tennis firsthand you know they're out there so go support them Track and field had a split squad action, if you remember us bringing that up uh, on the last show. And they were at Indiana on Friday and Saturday. We'll talk about that first. Friday saw that record that we talked about in the dis distance medley relay. Uh, also, Garrett Ferguson finished second in the 5K. Moving on over to – oh, wait, this was also on Friday. 
Tyra Thomas won the 60-meter hurdles, yep. season best, 8.53 seconds. Um, on Saturday, uh, Kylie Maston finished second in the 800 meters. Uh, the rest of the squad was at VMI on Saturday, where Diana Goodman continued with her pole vault success, had a first-place win there. Uh, distance medley relay team there won. Erica Christopher, Tori Dotson, Calais Jordan, and Taylor Spencer also won first place. Several other second and third place finishes. Interesting note from this weekend that I read, Tyra Thomas and Diana Goodman remain undefeated in those aforementioned signature events of theirs. Yep. They, they will be traveling to Louisville, the entire squad, back together for the PNC Lenny Lyles Invitational, and that's on Saturday. Yep. Uh, Tyra Thomas has, has, like you said, remained undefeated in that 60-meter. Uh, unbelievably talented sprinter for Marshall. One that if you only listen to this show and you only hear us talk about uh, Abby and Kylie Maston, for example, you're missing out on some of these other athletes. Tyra's one of those. Diana Goodman, at pole, one, another one of those. We've talked about her in the past. Kennedy but, Pedro's right there now this year too, newcomer to the herd. Yeah, there, there. We are, we are up and down the roster with um, really, really great athletes for track and field and cross country. Uh, weekly, I'm going to implore you to take a minute of your week and go to Herd Zone and click on Herd Track and Field and view the results or like. Don't wait until it's just Sunbelt Tournament time or Sunbelt Championships and then cheer just that one week. You know what I mean? Like, we have athletes that are going out and winning school records, Russ, personal bests, Russ, every week, every week. So you have an opportunity to be a part of that action. And uh, there's a lot of action to be a part of. So keeping yourself familiar with track and field, cross country is an easy thing to do. Uh, we do it. Um, and, yeah, we you might only – catch us talking about a handful of people, but I mean, we could honestly talk about track and field in the around the herd segment for like 20 minutes. And that's not yeah. something that we want to be able to do. We, we have to kind of hit the highlights, but that doesn't stop a herd fan from being able to go to the website and go, Oh, okay. That's Tyra Thomas. Oh, that's Abby Herring. Oh, okay. Re Rebecca Merritt in the uh, uh, shot and the weight throw. Right, right. All, always up there. Always up there. Because how many times have we said this, Russ? You you probably interact with, well, you don't interact with them maybe, but you see them, these athletes around town, at a restaurant you're at, or you wouldn't know who it is because mm -hmm. they're not in a helmet or they're not in a jersey or a uniform. So go to the roster, familiarize yourself with the athletes because I bet you th there are times that they would appreciate you saying, hey, excellent job in the 60. You yeah. know what I mean? Because it tells them people are watching, paying attention, right? It's a cheap, easy thing you can do just to reinforce that a herd community is a community. And it's not just a bunch of football fans and basketball fans, right? So uh, check it out. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff to be happy about when it comes to track and field. Next one, uh, we're talking about Swim and Dive. They are hosting Toledo at 10 a.m. on Saturday. I have a couple of cool things about this. Okay. Number one. I'm I'm hoping you don't know this, and I'm hoping I can break it to you live. This is going to be on ESPN Plus. Oh, cool! No, I did not know that. Yeah, 
So uh, our, our friend Grant Trailer, who does a great job over there, I happened to talk to him about uh, at Thursday's women women's basketball, just talking to him about stuff, and he's always busy. He said, I've got this going on, this, this, and this. One of the things that he listed is getting ready for this ESPN Plus broadcast. Uh, so I think that's super cool because we never get to see that. You know, it's always just checking – on uh on the results page it's always just hey was anybody there i tried to get over there the weather didn't cooperate for me to take Mm -hmm. the family over there a couple of weeks ago um but that is super super cool that it's on espn plus you don't have to be here local in huntington to be able to watch that and i think that that's one of those events that is just going to be cool for the newness of it to be able to watch marshall and swim and dive well, yeah, because it's a different sports viewing experience, right? Mm-hmm. It's in a pool or, at, you know, at the natatorium. You got, you know, herd branding on the walls of a swimming venue. So it's just new, right? And to be able to host something like that, super, super cool. You're right. And, and that also means you don't necessarily have to mm-hmm. trudge out in the cold and get there. If you've been wanting to check it out, now you have an opportunity to do that from the, you know, the warmth of your own home. and maybe fuel your excitement to go to a match later in the season. So very cool. I did not know that, but that will be um, a neat little experience to, for herd fans to check out. Very cool. Second part of that. If you are local, listen to what we've got going on Saturday at four o'clock. There is a men's basketball game right next door to where the natatorium is in Gullickson. Before that, at 1230, if you're a big green member, remember parking in the west lot of the stadium and walking over and taking a an extensive tour of the Jack and the baseball softball operations. Um, so what better way to do that, get there a little bit early and go over and be a part of that ESPN Plus broadcast, cheering on the martial athletes and swim and dive. Do that, walk a, a block and then go uh, where your car is, go right on over to the Jack. Um, sounds like a really good Saturday if you can swing it. Yeah, man. That's a lot to cram into, you know, one afternoon. And it may be a little chilly. So what? Go to Sheets and buy a coffee and, and, and you know, take advantage because this is a one-time deal, you know, at least for as far as the hard hat tour goes. And, then you get an opportunity to check out something at the at the natatorium. You got to go to a basketball game. I mean, good little afternoon, you know. And and it's not like you got to drive across town if you want to get something to eat in the meantime. Every like they've packaged this nice little Saturday. It's gonna be a nice little Saturday, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ten o'clock swim and dive. Twelve thirty tour of the Jack and the baseball complex and softball complex. Four o'clock. You got men's basketball at yeah. home. And we're, we're not going to mention those restaurants because they're not paying us to, but uh, there are restaurants around that you can get some food in between. And, and after that, you know, maybe go to Home Depot and check out some flooring, maybe Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if we'll have enough time. Who knows? <laughs> All right, men's basketball. I hate to say it, but they got handled on the road at Old Dominion, 91-66 to 66 on Thursday. Started out much closer. Wheels fell off. Uh, then they lost 67 to 52 at James Madison on Saturday. That was a lot closer until it wasn't. Um, not being funny when I say that, it just looked like they were in it and then the, 
it just got too much for them. Yeah. Uh, they are back home on Wednesday to face Georgia State at 7 p.m. and then hosting Southern Miss at 4 p.m. on Saturday, as I just mentioned. Yeah, rough Virginia road swing for the herd, you know, because Marshall got Marshall women got that big win over Old Dominion, and we were like, man, look what they did. They kind of ran away with it. Well, Old Dominion basically did the same thing to our men's basketball team. So we were immediately on both sides of that coin, (laughs) and that kind of sucked. So rough road swing. The the guys have now lost two straight, dipped back under five hundred. Uh, gonna have to get it right. Georgia State is 500 team. You know, Marshall's sub 500, but of course we've played more games than them. Uh, we've got an opportunity to get it a little closer to 500 while pushing them under 500. And then you look at Southern Miss coming to the cam. Southern Miss is a team whose record isn't indicative of how good they are. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think they've let some games slip away because Southern Miss is always pretty good. So for them to just be sitting currently at 11 and 8, they'll be playing this week, of course. Before they play the herd, they'll play another one. But I think they're a better team than their record indicates. Uh, Marshall's going to need to go 2-0 and to get back to 500, but they really need to have this one against Georgia State uh, to get it all you know, kicked off. We need to defend the cam. Guys need to get back to hitting the shots. You know, things have just kind of gone awry this past week, and we need to get it back on track. Two excellent opportunities to do that. Small correction. They have lost three in a row. They lost to South Alabama at home. Well, maybe I was just talking about the the Virginia trip or whatever. Yeah. So three in a row. So they really need to right that ship to get back on winning track. All right, keeping it in uh, round ball, going over to women's basketball. Much better results. Came back in a huge way to run Old Dominion out of the gym, 90-60 to 60 last Thursday. Yeah. And they went on to beat Coastal Carolina 97-85 to 85 on Saturday. That one was not anywhere near as close as that uh, final score indicated. Both of those games were at home, of course. I was at both and can talk uh, a lot about what I saw. And they traveled to JMU on Wednesday at 7 p.m. and then Georgia Southern on Saturday at 2 p.m. I think the most impressive thing from that old Dominion game, backing it up there almost a week, is the splits, the quarter splits. Mm -hmm. I tweeted them out after the game. You had a tie ball game after one quarter, tie ball game at halftime. Marshall had a 10-point lead after three and a 30 point win to close out the game. They went on an absolute freaking tear in that fourth quarter, really the second half, but primarily the fourth quarter. And that just further drives home what I've been saying. Most teams are just not going to be able to keep pace with this team for four quarters. They might be able to do it for three. They might even be able to do it for three and a half. But it just seems like not too many teams can keep pace for four entire quarters. What an absolute dominating win. And then to hold serve against Coastal at home, this team is absolutely rolling. There's no way around it. Um, now, the the I think they're probably just having more fun than they've had all year because it, it just comes through. They're, they're playing. It's clicking. You know, they're hustling. Everything just seems to be working. Even when it isn't working, they write the ship very quickly and can turn a game on its ear in no time and go on a run. Absolute unbelievable team right now for her women's basketball. Let me take it up just a little bit of a notch here. You talked about 34-34 at halftime and then winning 90-60. to That's very impressive. However, Mm -hmm. 
the score was 31 to 18. We were down by 13, the largest that I can recall during that game that we were down. From that point on, they only scored three more points in the second quarter against us, but from 31 to 18, we won 90 to 60. That's 72 to 29. (laughs) That we (laughs) 72 to 29. All right. So they scored from midway through the second quarter, whatever it was time that they scored 31. We gave up only 29 points. And if I'm not mistaken, we had more than that in the third quarter alone. Mm-hmm. It was one of the third or the fourth quarter. We had more than that. If I, uh, well, maybe not. Cause it was 34, 34. I can't remember one of those we, enough. <laughs> one of those, we scored more than 30. Uh, yeah. well, we would have had to, um, but, just absolutely ran them out of the gym once it started clicking. Mm-hmm. Now, I took a friend of ours on Saturday. It was the first opportunity due to his schedule that he got to go and see the women play in person, and he was duly impressed. Uh, you know, I told him at times it may look chaotic. It may look like it's a little sloppy. Um, once it turns on, it turns on. Yeah. And he, he was very, very impressed with diving after every loose ball, going for every tie-up for a, a possession arrow, uh, all the rebounds that they were battling for. It's not just three-pointers. It's not just fast break. It's tenacity from one end of the floor to the other. KD, what's that word that it is? It's relentless. That's it. it. Relentless. That's what it is. Yeah, the, this team is 12-5 and five currently. Uh, well, wait a minute. That might be. Let me look. I'm sorry. Yeah, 13 and 5. They were 12 and 5 during that old Dominion game. 13 and 5 with a big road test against James Madison. Uh, as we record, it's today. So tonight. Uh, James Madison 14 and 5. Uh, Marshall 13 and 5. Two really good teams are gonna are gonna battle it out again. Uh, Old Dominion was a good team. Marshall did what they did to them. There's no reason to think that that will repeat itself because James Madison is a good team. This will be a test. The next uh, few games actually will be a test. James Madison's really good, and Georgia Southern is also really good, 13-6 and on the season. Both games on the road for the herd. Uh, We'll get to see more of how they play away from the, the, the friendly confines of the cam Uh, without a home crowd on their side. We get to see how they respond to um, a visiting crowd of a good team. So good couple of good tests here, measuring stick games. And if the herd comes out of these, you know, two and O or one and one with a really close loss, you got to feel really, really, really good about uh, the continued trajectory of this season. They are absolutely awesome right now. Can't get enough if herd you, women's basketball. You put any stock in net rankings, which you should, because that's what nationally pretty much everybody's going by, including uh, for tournament bids. Uh, Marshall and James Madison are both right around that 100 mark. One is 99 and one is 101. You go down there on the road and beat a good James Madison team, and then you turn around and you win uh, at Georgia Southern I'm thinking that you may see them move up to quad one, which would be around that 90 mark. Mm -hmm. 90 and above is quad one. Right now we're in quad two. And what that is, 
there's four quads, there's roughly 360 teams. So every 90 uh, in your rankings, you're quad one, quad two. So if you start winning and playing against some quad one teams, that helps your rankings come up as well. So um, this is a big, big, big matchup tonight. Yeah, big matchup. Yeah, sure is. I mean, they've taken care of business once, need to take care of business again. Um, I don't think there's anybody on the uh, on the schedule that wants to face Marshall right now. You know, there nobody's afraid of them, but I just don't think you want to face them because of the style of uh, basketball that they play and and with the pace at which they play. They're a matchup nightmare, and if the shots are falling, heaven help you because they're almost unbeatable, almost unbeatable. Russ, what else? Old, Old Dominion uh, coming into that game was first in the Sun Belt uh, and very low nationally in giving up just under 60 points a game. And we put 90 up on them. Yeah. Coastal, uh, we played them at Coastal and beat them 72 to 60 the previous Saturday. And here we're beating them 97 to 85, almost dropped 100 on them. Probably could have. Uh, I know for the last 30 seconds, we just dribbled out the clock and didn't try anything, you know. Um, but when you're putting up 97 points, hey, go check out my article. And this is before those two games. You know, the herd was scoring 83.9 on the season, mm-hmm. 81.4 point, on the season, 81.9 in the Sun Belt. Um, those went up. So <laughs> this is this is a dangerous, dangerous team. And I just want to say again, I've said this before. We started out two and four. Yep. Since then, we are now eleven and one with the lone loss being on the road at ACC Wake Forest, where we were up going into the fourth quarter and only lost by six. I may have been seven, but I think it was around six points. And some of those were foul shots down the stretch. Sure. What you need to know is you're going to have your next opportunity to see this women's herd team at home on January 31st, Wednesday against Appalachian State. We love playing Appalachian State. Those games are always fun, no matter what sport it is. You always want to beat those guys and gals. So make plans now. January 31st, Wednesday evening uh, at 6 p.m., that's what you're doing. Plan it now. That's what you're doing. If something happens and you just absolutely cannot make that game, make plans to be there for the Saturday game because that's James Madison coming to Huntington in a rematch of what will be a great game tonight. That'll be a 1 p.m. tip on Saturday, February the 3rd. Do not miss it. Make your plans to get to the cam and see this team before the season runs out on you. You will regret it. That's all I've got for Around the Herd. All right. Well, um, lots of cool stuff to talk about. And this episode is not over. So stick with us on the other side of this break. Marshall softball head coach Morgan Zirkles coming in to join the Thundercast and talk to us about this 2024 Herd softball team. Russ, check it out. As per the norm, it is now time for the softball season preview. And for the first time ever, and hopefully for... A lot of times in the future, we get to talk to our new head coach, Morgan Zirkel, who is not a stranger to those in herd softball circles. So first, Morgan, thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your afternoon and helping to familiarize us and the rest of herd fans with this probably newer look 2024 herd softball team. Thank you. 
Of course. Thanks for having me. Great. Uh, I am excited to dig into uh, all things softball because Russ and I got pretty close with the softball program when we started the show. And it was a relationship that we really, really appreciated because we are just two knuckleheads that talk into microphones about the herd. And we never really thought that anybody would give a crap about what we say. And then lo and behold, we found that folks actually kind of like it. So we want to continue that relationship with you and your staff and your players and keep pushing that program to the forefront of herd athletics. So let's talk about it. Uh, lots, we're going to get right into it. Lots of turnover from 2023, right? Herd softball team set a single season record for wins with 45. They were the SBC tournament runner up and even set a new attendance record at the dot. Three big things for year one in the Sun Belt for the herd. Now you're only eight months into your tenure as herd head coach. How has the process been for you to assemble a staff, fill out a newer look roster, and begin to mold this 2024 herd team into more of your image before this fast approaching opener. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll start with the staff piece. That was honestly one of the easiest parts of it that a lot of you know coaches, first head coaches especially, struggle with. But being in the environment I was in with around a lot of other athletes and just knowing a lot of connections and people wanting to get into coaching. Um, that was kind of the easiest piece for me. Um, my pitching coach, uh, we've known each other since we were 10 and played against each other, Allison Rager. Um, so knowing her and then having her also kind of see her at athletes unlimited in a slight coaching role there. Um, that was an easy pick for me. And then, uh, keeping Allie Harrell here, um, you know, alumni and great, um, I think, bridge piece from, you know, the last season to this season has been super helpful. So um, that was nice to keep her on staff. Um, and then Sydney McKinney um, met her through Athletes Unlimited. And, you know, she led the country in batting average last year. So having someone like that, um, that I know was wanting to get into coaching and give her an opportunity to impact athletes here was was pretty easy. So the staff piece was was uh, not too difficult for me. Um, I will say the timing of getting the job uh, in later July was really difficult as far as finding players, you know, to, mm -hmm. to, to come to the herd. Um, we ended up finding several transfers and um but in july there's not a lot of freshmen available there's not a lot of freshmen or transfers available so that was a little tricky piece um especially with having the couple that transferred out and following coach smith to unc um so that was definitely not easy um i think i definitely found the best of the best that was available at the time so we've added a few pieces there that can help us um, but that was the trickiest part. And then really just anytime a staff turns over, you know, um, the communication piece, like just making sure, you know, the team has the equipment they need and, you know, what's been done before that we can um, keep with or what hasn't been done yet that we need to get the ball running for. Um, so, you know, normal transition pieces that, you know, just take a little way, a bit away from the softball piece, you know, as a head coach, you want to jump in and, you know, do all the softball stuff, but there's a lot of behind the scene things that have to be taken care of to make sure your team's operating how it should be. 
So before we move into the roster, Russell's gonna got some great info on the roster. I want to touch just briefly on the staff again because a lot has been talked about, you know, all young female staff under 30. I think that's important because um, that's kind of the demographic you're dealing with, right? So it's the relatability is paramount. And I think it says something to, to uh, players and future players that they have an opportunity to maybe play for someone that they look up to and say, man, I, I love watching Morgan Zirkle play. That's the type of player I want to be. You also, I don't know if this was on purpose, but you checked a few of the boxes, right? Another, you got two wet native West Virginians on staff. Of course, Allie, who's an all-timer. And uh, Sydney, who is one of the most decorated NCAA players ever. So is this just a situation where these uh, folks were available for you and they wanted to come to the herd and, and make a run with you in year one? Or was there a little bit of um, calculation on who you went after. We wanted to get young up and coming women in the sport, yeah. that type of thing. Getting females that I think could impact our student athletes was super, super important to me. Um, being a young female myself and knowing how I, you know, fell in love with coaching and that, like to have the opportunity to give another female athlete that opportunity is something I wanted to be able to do. Um, I also love that all three of them are, exceptional mid-major players. Um, that's I, what better way I think to inspire athletes than be surrounded by four mid-major players who were all Americans, who broke records, who, you know, were hitters and pitchers at the same time and did it extremely well. So I don't think I could find a better example as far as, you know, the quality of people and players they were at this level like they're so relatable to our student athletes um so that was a huge piece of getting them to come aboard um and then just developing friendships and relationships and um did that through athletes unlimited with a lot of them um and then you get to know someone you know how they compete and it's like well if you can coach this and share this with our athletes we're going to be in good shape Great. And I tell you what, it, it just seems like such a great fit, well-rounded staff and everybody kind of checks all the boxes. And I know as a coach, you want the talented people, right? You want the talented people, but when you can also get those people, like you said, highly accomplished at the mid-major level, that, doesn't that just drive it home and say, Hey, you can do it here. It's not all about the, it's, you know, it's the, almost harder to do it here, which I think speaks volumes of, you know, yeah. my staff who was able to, be great and be recognized great here at Marshall or Wichita or um, other places. So yeah. I think it speaks volumes. We're super excited about this inaugural season uh, for you and your staff. But along with that, you guys just uh, got to coach them up. The girls on the diamond have to make the plays for you. So Russ, let's dig into this roster a little bit. Uh, let's talk to coach about what the roster looks like and uh, what is returning. It's not all doom and gloom that some folks might think. Yeah, coach, uh, uphill climb to replace some of this. Had four first team all Sun Belt Conference players leaving. Uh, the entire starting outfield, for instance, had to be replaced. Uh, your ace pitcher and your catcher, but got a lot coming back. Sunbelt Newcomer of the Year and first team all Sunbelt Conference shortstop Sydney Bickle is back. Uh, the rest of the starting infield looks like it's going to be back with Riley Lucas, 
Brooklyn Ulrich and uh, Cam Mahalis. Uh, 12 and 0 pitcher uh, Savannah Rice returns and uh, utility player, also pitcher Bub Faringa and uh, young sophomore Abby Darney. Um, what do you think about this nucleus that you have returning? Yeah, having the having the infield back is huge. Obviously, they're you know a, a bridge between the outfielders, the pitchers, and having their voice in the infield. I think has been really helpful with practices because they can you know pick on a little quick quicker just because they have the experience at this level um, with the speed and the pace that you want them to perform at. Um, so that's been huge, um, and it's really just. Having them, you know, share, you know, their experience with some of the others, um, but also letting the others know that experience and perfection is not required to be confident. Um, we talk about that a lot. You know, like you said, young Abby Darnley, she's a sophomore. She has been here, but doesn't have a lot of experience on the field. But experience and perfection are not required for her to know, you know, start that first game the season and not feel confident about going into it um so really excited about yeah those we have coming back but also the way they've been able to you know step up and influence the others and um those that were able to step into a role pretty quickly i think um this follow-up question kind of leads into the next question altogether so a follow-up to that roster question would be what was your emphasis on rounding out that roster, right? You know you had to have uh, basically a completely new outfield. Some players tra transferred out. Others just exhausted eligibility. So mm -hmm. those things are kind of out of your hands. So what did you do? What was the emphasis? Is it like, okay, we need to hit portal for certain players at this position or we can uh, afford to hit the high school ranks and develop at these positions? How does that work for you personally? What is your approach to that knowing that you had – several holes to fill and key positions. Yeah. Well, honestly, there, there, we don't, I didn't add any freshmen, not because I didn't want to, just because there weren't um, really any uncommitted that were, you know, capable of playing at this position that I saw. Um, so that was really, really tough. Um, and transfer wise, I wasn't really fully, you know, sure what, when I got the job, who was returning, you know, you don't, you can look online and see stats and see roster numbers, but you don't really know what you're getting until several months into practice, honestly. Um, and we were kind of in a bit of a jam because we had two outfielders that were um, uh, medically not able to play uh, this fall. So um, our outfield, I think who they had planned to potentially be outfielders weren't um, this, this year anyway. So that was tough. Um, we did have, you know, a freshman outfielder coming up that um, I was hoping was going to be great, right? You, you always hope for the best. Um, so really in the portal, even, I was just looking for people who I knew were good people that could possibly, you know, do something. I, I, I was really just looking for anything because I knew we had spots to fill. Um, and got really lucky with the quality of people that we got. You know, we got Kasia Parks, who um, hopefully is going to play center field for us this year. And, I mean, she just came in and immediately was one of the strongest ones in the weight room, was one of the fastest ones in the outfield, and 
um, took coaching really well. So I'm excited for her to get an opportunity in, you know, a herd uniform and run with it. Um, we added, you know, Bella Gerlach, who um, is a sophomore transfer with not not much playing experience. And she's been able to, you know, jump right in and contribute at least in practice and scrimmages and all that. So um, feel lucky that we found her. Uh, she was a little bit more of, I think, a second baseman coming in, but she's been, you know, open to filling some of the outfield needs that we had. And then we do have another senior outfielder out there. Um, we added a, a transfer catcher um, to give us some more depth behind the plate. Um, but we we have, again, a, you know, freshmen that can potentially play a few places and give us a little bit of depth. Um, we don't have a lot this year, but um, – I do know that everyone, um, everyone one to twenty that's going to be on that field or in the dugout is is bought into contributing in any way they can. So that's always a good feeling. Well, then that begs the question: What is the style of play that we can expect to see from the herd? We've seen the herd win with the long ball in the past, and we've seen the herd win by just running the dag on bases and manufacturing runs and keeping constant pressure on the defense and just being able to run away with games. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to ask you if you have a preference on style of play, because like you said, the process being as late in the game to get started, you couldn't probably do all you wanted to do. So a better indicator of that might be this off season. So what style of play can herd fans expect in 2024? I think it'll be a good little mix. Um, you know, you have to, you have to work with what you got, you know, yeah. I was a speed player starting off. So that was a big part of, you know, my game when I played here. Um, but my last four years in assistant, really my, as an offensive coach, I've been more um, tailored towards power um, and setting home run records. So despite, you know, my skill set, if my team is a bunch of power players, then we're going to cater towards that. So I think this year you can expect a good mix. You know, we have Sydney Bickle who, and, Kasia Parks, who are, you know, speed athletes, so hopefully can steal some bases and, you know, drop a bunt every once in a while. But then, um, and we have some other people that could, and but they can also do both. And then we have, you know, the returners from last year that um, I think are, are powerful. Um, and hopefully we hit a lot of doubles in the gap. And they're also athletes. So um, hopefully we turn some of those into triples and, um you know, aggressive base running, but smart base running. Um, so I really think it's going to be a mix and depend on what the athletes' strengths are and, and, and how the season develops as well, who wins certain spots and all the above. Well, all I'm hearing is we're not tying ourselves to one style of play. We're going to do right. what it takes to win games right. at Marshall. And if you're a herd fan, if you're a herd softball fan in particular, you got to love that type type of attitude. We don't want to just be one dimensional, right? And I I love that. But I'll be honest with you, there ain't nothing better to me. The, the two facets of baseball slash softball that are my favorite thing in the world are. A, stealing bases, and B, the beautiful diving outfield catch. Nothing will be greater to me. So I, I love the versatility coming out of you right now. We're really excited for that. Russ? Yeah, so last year we had a lot of success, 45-10 and 10 overall record, uh, runner-up in the Sun Belt Conference, losing down there in a close game to uh, 
Louisiana on their home field, but we were left out of the NCAA tournament and all pointing toward RPI. Uh, looks like the schedule is a lot more robust this year. A uh, lot of uh, bigger RPI boosting opportunities. Uh, I'm sure that was kind of intentional, but can you weigh in on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that was super obvious last year that we they had a phenomenal squad, like they really did. But when you don't challenge them um, throughout the year, one, are they truly prepared for that conference championship game? And then, yeah, you're probably not going to get um, an overall bid taken seriously when your strength of schedule is just that low. So um, we definitely have a different squad and different goals this year. Um, but I think starting to challenge them now is only going to help them, you know, by the end of season and then even next year and the year after and the year after just get our players familiar and comfortable competing against the best and the best, because I've also been there where, you know, you finally do get to regionals and it's just like really overwhelming, you know, so the sooner I think we can prepare even the underclassmen and those that maybe haven't been there before, um, just that feeling of, you know, playing the Arkansas and other teams that are going to be in that you know, NCAA tournament, the, the better chance we have when we get our opportunity to play in that environment. Yeah. Uh, and, and you made it there, made it to the NCAA tournament as a player with the herd. And then the, before getting hired this past off season, the previous three seasons at Miami, all MAC championships, all NCAA tournament berths. So it's not a, we're hoping to do this. You have a blueprint. And like you said, you've been there and done that. So you know what it takes. It's always interesting to me though. Uh, you know, when you talk about a place like Dot, Hick, Dot Hicks Field, how difficult is it to get people to come and play here? Because 21 and four at home in 2023, 20 and one at home in 2022. And yeah, I'm just going to toss it back to something you're a little familiar, familiar with 15 and one, your final year as a player at the Dot. So, what is it about Dot Hicks Field that's such a tough place for opponents to come in and try to get a win? Yeah, I think. You know, if you've come to a softball game, you know, like the energy of the crowd and the energy of the team and the community and just how fun it is to play here. Um, I know some previous recent teams call it dot magic. That that was That's new true. to me, but I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and I think that just means a lot when you have fans come out who genuinely you know, want to support softball on your team. Like it's tough to lose in that environment when you feel, you know, believed in and supported. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that our student athletes are able to feel that and have that support here at home. Well, I'll tell you what, dot magic might've been a term from a previous administration, but we have all just stolen it and it now belongs to the herd universe because that's a real thing. So many people have seen it firsthand. The place is magical, and I don't think any fan, any player, anyone that's been there any amount of time will dispute the fact that it's a real thing. Dot Magic exists, and I hope it ain't going nowhere anytime soon. So let's let's transition into this before I get Russ back in here. We've got some fun things coming up, right? They're putting lights at the dot for the first time. We have the opportunity to maybe see Dot Magic after dark. What are your thoughts on playing night games? down in Huntington. It's awesome. You know, we've been waiting for it for years um, and just gives us more flexibility too to have 
tournaments here. You know, we're hosting Notre Dame and Purdue. And really, we get to do that and have five games at home those weekends because we have lights and we can play later at night. So it really opens up our ability to host other teams um, and then just, you know, be able to host a game after people get off work, maybe on a Friday evening or um, different times like that. So I hope it hope people are excited and really come out for that first night game and um, really enjoy that they're increasing the atmosphere experience here at the dot even more. Yeah, you know what I think of it, and I'm just like, man, what a fun thing just to be able to go to a night game and see, you know, the herd in the Kelly Green or the white pinstripes or whatever it is under the lights. It'll just look so visually striking and it'll be so cool. But what I often forget about is, like you're saying, you can host tournaments now, which means local a boost to the local economy. People are coming in and eating at our restaurants and shopping in our stores and things like that. So it's weird to just think, well, some lights are going to be an investment in the community because they're lights, but that's exactly what it is. Such a cool thing that just completely slipped my mind. Russ, there's a big event coming up that we got to get coach to talk about. You want to get that rolling with us real quick? Yeah. So February the 3rd, we're coming up. It's the first pitch uh, banquet dinner. Uh, it's at guy in. Can you talk about that a little bit? What can people expect? Uh, where can they go to sign up? That sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. This was, it's a, it's a remodel, you know, of a dinner and banquet that I had as a student athlete. And I always thought it was a good experience for the community to be able to come out, meet the team before season starts, interact with them, um, learn kind of what we've been doing, what we're going to be about, um, you know, preview who we're going to play. And then also hear from a keynote, keynote speaker to, you know, just kind of be motivated before you start the season. Um, so, yeah, it's at Guyane Golf and Country Club. We'll have um, a silent auction, um, and there's a lot of gear, a lot of experiences. Um, there's some stuff in there for kids, adults. So hoping, you know, we, one, you know, fundraise a little for our program, but also it's a great, great thing for those coming just to be able to get some sign gear or um, little sisses to maybe interact with their big sisses if any of those are coming. Um, so I think it'll be a really special event, um, way to interact with us and uh, get the season rolling and get people excited about herd softball this year. Yeah, well, I don't know that the excitement really dissipated, to be honest with you, Morgan. People are really beginning to hang their hat, herd fans are anyway, on this program. When Russ and I started the show a couple years back now, and we were looking at this move into the Sun Belt. We weren't even there yet, right? It was about to happen. And we thought this softball program, and we've said it many times, could be a cornerstone athletic program for Marshall as we move into the SBC because baseball and softball are so huge in this conference. And you're in a really good spot, right? Because the fan support is great and uh, people love coming out to the games. So in that, in that vein of thinking, we always ask our coaches because it comes best from you guys. What is the number one thing that herd fans can do to support your program and support these players as they suit up for herd softball? I would say coming to games and coming to events like our banquet, um, you know, giving money is great, you know, but really when you see them in person, like you said, that's where you get the real dot magic that helps us win or that's where, okay, 
a thousand people are coming to our game. Let's get more stands. Let's make the field nicer because we have that, you know, support in person. And that's what our athletes really care about. You know, sometimes as coaches, we, we, you know, want things for our athletes, but our athletes just really want to feel like people enjoy watching them. So um, getting out to games this season would be my number one ask. Show your face, be here, cheer loud, um, and stay the whole game. And that's what's really going to make the student-athlete experience that much better. That seems to be the running theme. Like, bring them, load the place up so we got to beg for more seating. That's what they all want. So, you guys, we can't overstate this. We ask every coach. Every coach has the same answer. Come to the games. Get out to the games. It's so convenient. It's free currently. And there's – I mean, you can sit in the outfield in a, in a camping chair. You can do your own little mini tailgate if you want to, which is something that Russ and I have to talk about as well. I mean, we've mentioned this to you before, but uh, we're hoping to do another big event for the softball team uh, in the spring, hopefully, if, if schedules line up. That was a really fun time. I know that uh, James Madison fans were kind of blown away by what went on that weekend, and they were like, wow, this is how you guys get down for softball. So uh, we want to get down for softball like that this year. But the season is quickly approaching, right? February 8th, the rubber is now meeting the road. You are right there. Uh, been seeing the the countdown on social medias, you know, uh, you know, 80, eight, 18 days away, 20 days away, familiarizing folks with a member of the team. What's the excitement in the building now that the season is so close? I mean, I think we're all just – Ready to get there, you know, obviously you want to feel 100% ready in your preparation and practice, and we're doing that each day. It's like time's running out a little bit on that front, but I know mentally they're all excited. We just want to, you know, see what we have. Uh, We haven't, um, like I said, we don't have a ton of um, depth to really even scrimmage. We do like little inter-squad group scrimmages, um, but we're also indoors right now, so um, we're anticipating getting down to Florida, getting outside, just seeing what our team can do against a different opponent. Um, you know, you get tired of playing each other all winter and practicing on your own. So just to be able to see what we can do against another opponent is exciting and see where we match up, see where we need to keep working and improve on and, um, you know, build from there. Um, I hate to rub this in, but. You said mentioned getting outside. Can't wait to get to Florida. That's where I'm at, by the way. That's where oh, I live. It's 80 you. degrees here today. I didn't oh. mean to rub that in, but uh, yeah, it's not here. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, the home the home opener is coming up super soon, February 28th. They're going to try to get it a little warmer in Huntington, but we want to see every butt in every seat at Dot Hicks Field. Before we get you out of here, I'm going to let Russ uh, hit you with one more, and then we'll thank you for your time. Coach, I am known on this show for asking the hardest hitting questions. And I've got one here for you. Uh, I used to have the kitchen business at the Union Pub and Grill, and I had a bunch of different sandwiches named after Marshall people, the Keith Morehouse, the the Randy Moss, the Chad Pennington. Um, what would be on the Morgan Zirkle? Hmm. Ooh, that's a tough one. Well, first of all, I think you would have to find a cooler name for it, like – berserk or something something cooler than just my name but all right um so we we would have to find a cool name there for it um and it would probably have to have a lot of cheese be pretty greasy 
Um, <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So you give me your ideas and I'll, I'll taste test once you come up with it. So I'll, I'll just bring, I'll bring one to a softball game. Oh, and after, after the game, after the game's over, you can have a celebratory berserk sandwich. <laughs> well, let's see. Would this be some form of chicken sandwich? I've got a name cooking here. It would, would it be some sort of chicken? I, I could do chicken. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking zerked chicken, right? Just like Caribbean jerk oh. chicken, but you got zerk chicken custom uh, zerk, recipe. Can, yeah. Look, there we go. Call Juice me, people. This is what I do. <laughs> uh, head coach Morgan Zirkle for the Herd softball team. Really, really thankful for your time today. Thank you so much for peeling back the curtain a little bit, letting us know about this team, teaching us a little bit about this coaching staff, and getting a little bit of familiarity for Herd fans and what this team may look like. We are unbelievably excited for the start of herd softball they gave us a lot of good memories last year and the year before that and we're hoping to see more of those this year because i know we will it's an all-time great leading the program that we all love thank you so much for joining us today if there's anything we can ever do for you please let us know all right thank you so much russ we appreciate uh, coach zirkel for giving us that time and uh, bringing us a little bit closer, peeling back the curtain, like I said, and, and familiarizing Herd fans with what this 2024 Herd softball team could potentially look like. Uh, but for now, dude, take us out of here. Yeah, so whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the Joan, or whether you see us over at the Nat inside Gullickson watching an ESPN Plus broadcast to swim and dive, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thundercast. We will see you next week. Later.